you have happened upon the voice of the true resistance. Whether purposely or by accident, you are welcome here. No matter your political belief, you are welcomed here. My purpose is to voice my opinions on current events, promote civilized discourse, and hopefully do my part in reining in the extremism displayed by all sides. Hopefully, this will help enable us to solve our differences peacefully and with respect. I will not be quoting references or links to the items discussed. You are an adult, so use your choice of internet search engine and do your own research. I will, however, be recommending sources of information from time to time. I'm not here to change your mind. My mission is to provoke thought. Again, let me stress that the items discussed here are my opinions. Welcome. The resistance to extremism begins here. Start transmission. Dramatic. A National Institutes of Health investigation has uncovered 54 research scientists who have since been fired or have resigned for failing to disclose their ties to foreign governments while collecting grants from the agency. Most of these ties were with the Chinese Communist Party. The most high profile of these scientists was the head of Harvard's chemistry department, one Charles Lieber. He is now facing criminal charges for lying about his ties to a Chinese recruitment program. This brings to light the ongoing infiltration of our country by the Chinese Communist government, along with the so-called Confucius Institutes, which are nothing more than intelligence operations and recruitment hubs on our campuses. It makes you wonder if this can be connected to the unrest we are currently experiencing caused by young, educated people who conduct violence while espousing communist ideals. A recent action from the people I have just described was the destruction and desecration of a statue of George Washington. After toppling the, the statue, an American flag was wrapped around its head and set alight. Graffiti scrawled on the base of the statue itself, in that common childish style these useful idiots seem to possess, read the following. BLM, 1619, Murderer, White Fragility, along with other slogans they have adopted. BLM, of course, refers to the supposed movement that has blossomed into a de facto political party. 1619 refers to a series of now-discredited articles ran by the New York Times, which purportedly chronicled the history of slavery in this country. The series was basically a rewrite of history to fit a certain agenda. White Fragility, I would assume, is a reference to a popular book by Robin DiAngelo, which was published in 2018. I have not read this book, but I believe the gist is that white people are inherently racist and can't admit nor talk about it. Or it could be referring to the concept of white fragility, which spawned from the book referenced above. 
Either way, this book and concept seems to lay the blame for all the world's woes on the Caucasian race. Not a good way to start a dialogue if one party is already assumed guilty before attempting to negotiate a solution. All of these statue-related events are an attempt to erase history is a page from the Communist Playbook. Think Mao's Great Leap Forward and Cultural Revolution. Another example is Pol Pot's Killing Fields Purge, which also included the destruction of historical temples. This differs with the Soviet-style tactics, which leads me to the conclusion of to where the influence and possibly funding is originating. The lead author on that New York Times 1619 series, Nicole Hannah-Jones, received backlash this week for supposedly spreading a conspiracy theory that involved the CIA giving so-called professional-grade fireworks to members of the, quote, black and brown communities in an operation intended to disorient and destabilize the Black Lives Matter movement. Ms. Jones asked her many Twitter followers to read a rambling set of tweets authored by a person calling themselves Son of Baldwin. In this diatribe, the author proposes that the increase of police complaints about fireworks is part of a large plan to stop the current BLM protests. As proof, Son of Baldwin offers up as evidence that black and brown youth wouldn't be able to afford such fireworks they had to be provided by this mysterious government operation. The author also goes on to say that when police are called, none show up and the fire department is also complicit. He points to a recent event involving a Brooklyn firehouse that was caught using fireworks in front of their station. Fireworks are illegal in New York. That incident was captured on video by a bystander and shows firefighters lighting off fountain-style pyrotechnics which shower an area with glowing sparks. Far from professional-grade fireworks. Think large sparklers. I, too, have noticed an increase this year in the amount of fireworks being used in my suburban area, but none of them have been professional-grade. As far as not being able to afford such items, I recall when I was growing up in the Bronx, being able to scrounge up enough cash from a meager, even by the standards of those days, allowance, and another source of income from my paper route, which also was a pittance, to be able to purchase quite a cachet of firecrackers, M80s, and bottle rockets. Back then, the laws weren't enforced concerning fireworks, and starting in June... Once school was out for summer, us bored kids would start lighting our purchases off. The fireworks came from Chinatown, and you can purchase various explosives, up to a quarter stick of dynamite. Still, far from professional-grade stuff, which is basically military-grade without the shrapnel. If you think there are a lot of fireworks now, the current level pales in comparison to what I experienced back then. Now, as far as police not responding, I seem to recall the main demands of the BLM protests were the defunding and outright banning of all police forces. Sometimes you get what you wish for. Also think of what has been going on lately. 
massive rioting and looting, which has included trucks. So if there are professional-grade fireworks in play, perhaps that is where the supply is originating from. I'm sure the price is right also. The result from pointing her followers towards this conspiracy theory is that Ms. Jones deleted her Twitter account and started a new one. Unfortunately for her, the internet is forever and nothing, and I mean nothing, is deleted from it. The point I'm trying to make here is that people like Ms. Jones hold powerful and prestigious positions within our mainstream media and can influence thousands or perhaps even millions of people. If Ms. Jones and her fellow journalists have abandoned fact-based journalism and have substituted agenda-driven reporting in its place, how can they be trusted? Speaking of influence, one of the founders of the Black Life Matters movement slash political party named Patrice Cullors admitted that two of the three founders are, and I quote, are trained organizers, are trained Marxists, superversed on ideological theory, end quote. Add to that a recent interview from the CHOP area in Seattle with a BLM leader standing next to an older armed gentleman who stated to a reporter while being videotaped that the goal is to tear down the system. There you have it. This is not a movement based on racial inequality. Go to the group's webpage yourself and read their manifesto. They state on their website that the group is not a charity. So where do all those millions of dollars in donations they have been receiving go? They refuse to answer this or even acknowledge the question when asked. Another thing you can do is try and donate to this cause online. You will be redirected to a website named Act Blue, which is primarily a service for donating to the Democratic Party. Now, I'm not saying that the BLM donations are going to the DNC, but I feel donators should know where all that money is going. How about some transparency? Or does that even apply to organizations such as BLM? The stepmother of the police officer who shot Rayshard Brooks was fired from her job at a mortgage company at which she was employed. Her co-workers claimed they didn't feel comfortable working with her and by employing her created a hostile work environment. Just like in communist systems, the entire family also pays for the supposed sins of the accused. The man hasn't even had a trial yet, but seems to have been convicted in the court of social media. Hopefully, she can find a good lawyer who can make this right. One of the most beloved artists who work for the company which produces the popular Magic the Gathering card base game, Therese Nielsen, was fired this week for the sin of following the wrong people on Twitter and liking certain tweets. After working at the company for 24 years, she was let go for following InfoWars, Mike Cernovich and Jack Posobiec and liking some of their tweets. 
This was brought to her former employer's attention by some upset players of the game. What surprises me about this is that Ms. Nielsen is gay, and I had thought that status made one immune to the current cancel culture. I was wrong. Another thing which surprised me is that these players took the time to see who Ms. Nielsen followed and what tweets she liked. I believe her mistake was to quickly unfollow the accounts that were deemed offensive to those people and issue an apology, though it wasn't pandering like others have been. Perhaps if she stepped up and owned it, this situation could have been avoided. But probably not. I wish her luck, and after viewing some of her work, I don't think she will have any problems finding customers for her art. The president's recent rally didn't produce the expected crowds. It seems a bunch of people using that communist-controlled app, TikTok, generated false registrations for the event. The mindless puppet Ocasio-Cortez, better known as AOC, bragged on Twitter about it and condoned the action. Dimwit. I guess she doesn't realize that she just endorsed using a foreign-owned app to interfere with an election process. It doesn't matter, though, because she is a media superstar and has large breasts. So goes the state of politics for this dumbed-down generation. For those that didn't know, TikTok is owned and headquartered in communist China, and the federal government has banned the use of the app by workers and military members. Speaking of TikTok, users of the app figured out a way of not being shadow banned and gain many new followers. To accomplish this, all you have to do is praise the Chinese Communist Party, the CCP, using the platform, and you'll be promoted. Twitter and Facebook have censored political ads run by the re-election campaign of President Trump. The ad that ran on Twitter was a parody of CNN and was deemed misleading, while Facebook banned an ad that the company said displayed symbols of hate. The image in question was a red, upside-down triangle they claim was used by the Nazis in concentration camps. That might be true, yet Antifa uses the same symbol on a Facebook page that hasn't been removed. Twitter also banned a tweet by the president, which warned that people pulling down federal statues will be prosecuted to the full extent of the law. Twitter deemed this threatening. Speaking of social media... The apps Gab and Parler are alternatives to Twitter that don't censor free speech. Gab has been banned from the iOS and Android platform app stores a long time ago, but an APK for Android and a progressive web app for iOS have been introduced. Parler, on the other hand, has a beautiful native app for both platforms, but was something of a ghost town until recently. A large influx of prominent non-woke news services and political commentators have migrated to the platform recently, with even members of the current administration opening accounts. 
This includes Donald Trump Jr. as well. There are rumors that the president himself will also join Parler, which will put a dent in the Twitter monopoly. Unfortunately, along with the mentioned migration, trolls have also made the trip, but not yet to the levels that you see on Twitter. We'll see how long Parler can last before it becomes a mess like Twitter or gets banned from the iOS and Android platforms. Last week, NBC News teamed up with a UK-based entity with links to the British Labour Party called the Centre for Countering Digital Hate to try and demonetize the conservative news site TheFederalist.com with Google Ads. This action would have basically cut off the revenue stream that allows that publication to exist. NBC ran a story complete with a supposed statement from Google reporting this as fact, with the author of the article even including a passage bragging that it was her news division named the Verification Unit that was responsible for the banning. The reporter, UK-based Adele Momoko Fraser, even took a virtual victory lap on Twitter. Her tweet read, Thanks to Stop Funding Fake News and the Center for Countering Digital Hate for their hard work and collaboration. This was followed by hashtag Black Lives Matter. Later, she edited the tweet, dropping the hashtag Black Lives Matter. Then a strange thing happened. An undercurrent from both liberal and conservative aisles started bubbling up condemning this action. Google walked back their statement claiming that the Federalist was not demonetized but merely investigated for hate speech and a solution was reached which would enable them to stay on the ad platform. I guess the corporate lawyers earned their paychecks in this instance. As a result, NBC had to update its article and Ms. Fraser deleted her tweets. Here are the issues this whole episode has brought to the forefront. Why is a large conglomerate like NBC trying to ruin a much smaller rival, and why would Google even entertain this? Why is NBC, a U.S. company, teaming up with a foreign entity to accomplish this? Shouldn't NBC's verification unit stick to verifying its own reporting? not looking at other publications' product? If the government was thinking of breaking up the tech monopolies before, they are definitely going to take action now. The hashtag used for Ms. Fraser's initial victory tweet tells it all. There is no fact-based reporting happening on mainstream media, and they wonder why there is declining view and readership of the fantasies they put out for consumption. Continuing with media, National Public Radio, NPR, which is funded with taxpayers' dollars, got caught trying to credit a protest incident involving a car to a right-wing extremist attack. The only problem is that the pictured event used in the now-deleted tweet accused right-wing extremists turned out to be the victim and the peaceful protesters depicted as victims wound up being arrested for assault. Even if the incident went according to the way NPR described, 
How would they know the driver's political beliefs? What actually happened was a young woman was driving along a road when she was stopped by these so-called peaceful protesters. When her vehicle stopped, she was assaulted by the crowd, so she reacted the same as most people would. She accelerated her vehicle and got the heck out of there. One idiot who was blocking the front of her car was thrown out of the way violently. The woman reported the incident to the police, who arrested the offenders, after viewing footage from a police camera which caught the whole thing on its lenses. Now for some news from overseas. It seems the Chinese Communist Party is trying to use the chaos it unleashed on the world via the COVID-19 pandemic to flex its muscles. It's no secret that the United States and India have seen their relations warm recently and have accelerated after the pandemic. To counter this, the communists decided to heat things up a little on their border with India. After a few incidents of fistfighting between members of the two armies, China decided to escalate the situation by building a structure on the Indian side of the line of control. After Indian forces destroyed the illegal structure, a group of communist soldiers attacked with rocks, clubs, and barbed-wired wood. This resulted in the death of some of the Indian troops. Not letting this go, Indian troops then crossed the line of control and fought hand-to-hand with the communists, resulting in casualties on both sides. While the India government reported 20 dead, China hasn't reported a number, but has admitted they suffered casualties also. If the communist government is not reporting casualties, that means they must have been significant. Normally, the Communist Party would use an incident like this to whip up the local population and to keep the people's minds off domestic problems, like the faltering economy. That they didn't do this is telling Continuing with China, it appears the COVID-19 pandemic is again spinning out of control. The capital city of Beijing is locked down and was placed on military footing, and three provinces bordering the city have suffered the same fate. This follows a previous large outbreak in areas close to the Russian border with the country. Editorial If you didn't know it, the video game streaming service Twitch has a few channels live streaming the so-called peaceful protests. Offhand, I don't know the names of the channels, as I'm too lazy to look them up. If you scroll through them using the app, you'll come upon them. While viewing them, I've noticed common traits of the protesters. Almost all are young and white. The majority are female. They love chanting and they absolutely love angrily confronting the police. The males orbiting around these females will perform acts of violence to show how brave they are. Because, let's face it, they just want to have sex with the females. Together, they all think they are fighting for a cause. A cause that The only thing they know about it came from their Marxist-inspired professors at the taxpayer-funded campuses they normally would inhabit. 
Yes, these protesters are all either attending college or have recently just graduated. The ones attending are most likely working towards while the recent grads have a worthless liberal arts degree. Instead of finding out what type of degree is in high demand and work towards that goal, they, like most animals that populate this earth, take the path of least resistance to earn that sheepskin. The colleges and universities they attend are all too happy to oblige them with degrees in gender studies, community activism, and other disciplines that will have no application towards the real world. It's all about the money. The real degrees are being earned by overcharged foreign students that will take what knowledge they've acquired back to their home countries. What these schools are churning out for this country is performing for your viewing pleasure on television nightly at this moment. These young folk dismiss the preceding generation's knowledge while possessing no tangible knowledge of their own. They have no life experience, and I'd wager the majority of them still live at home with parents or are living someplace financed by their guardians. The ability to question and reason, not mob mentality group think. This concludes the inaugural episode of the New Normal Opinions podcast. Thank you for listening. I hope this provoked thoughts and not emotions. You can contact me at nnopodcast at gmail.com. I look forward to hearing from you. Stay safe and open-minded. End transmission.